Hello, party people. Before we get started on episode number 16 of the session, a basketball podcast with Ben and Omar, I'd like to give everybody a quick reminder to follow at the session ball on Instagram. We post daily content for you guys to look forward to, whether it's memes or highlight videos or audio clips. Follow at the session ball. In addition to that, we wanted to thank everybody for the continuous support that we've been getting. We're almost at uh, a thousand downloads, which is absolutely insane. Be sure to continue that support and go on to Apple Podcasts and leave a five star review and leave a comment as well. We always like engaging with the community and interacting with you guys. So be sure to do that. Now, on to the episode. Welcome to the session, a basketball podcast. I'm your co-host, Ben, and I'm joined by... This is Omar. How's it going? Man, I'm doing great. Yeah? Yeah. Man, today has been such a... It's been a good day because... I didn't ask. Well, you should have. <laughs> Tell I, me about I your think, day, Ben. I think that's that's how I wanted it to go. But yeah, honestly, like, you remember in the last episode or maybe the one before that, I was talking about cooking. Yeah. So update, baby. I started. Yeah, tell me about what you made. So, basically, what I wanted to get into with um, with kind of like getting into my next goals uh, related to fitness is I've been focusing on the lifting part for two years, like quite some time now. Yeah. So, I wanted to really dial into the nutrition part because I think with losing weight or gaining weight the right way, you know, it's 90% of it is through nutrition. Mm-hmm. So, I think that's that also kind of kicked it into like another gear for me to get into cooking. So I, I was looking at a bunch of recipes and I thought to myself, okay, I like rice. So let me just get rid of it entirely. <laughs> so instead of rice, I found another substitute to kind of lower my carbon take because I wanted to do like a uh, a little bit more protein and healthier healthier fats. Okay. So I made this dish called cauliflower fried rice. Hell yeah, baby. Hell that yeah. Sounds disgusting. Let me tell you about it. First of all, it tastes it actually tastes good. I'm not gonna lie. It it tastes good. I mean when you add enough oil or soy sauce to anything, it's gonna taste good, but hold up, hold up. So you're telling me a cauliflower fried this rice? A cauliflower did indeed fry this rice. <laughs> I got it from No Frills. He did the entire thing by by himself. It was a he cauliflower. It's a he cauliflower. I checked underneath to make sure that it has, you know, (laughs) it had two other cauliflowers hanging underneath. This man checked the stem. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, I I looked into this recipe and then, you know, like I think why I felt so good about it was because, you know, when when you're cooking something, I remember you said uh, something in, in the previous episode was to enjoy the journey. Yeah. And I loved every part of it. I made so many mistakes, Omar. With this first thing, and it's not even that hard. It's cauliflower fried rice. You can't really mess this up, but I am here to tell you that I managed to do that. <laughs> what did you do? I So basically, I put the cauliflower in food processor, right? I cut it up into little little itty bitty p- uh, pieces, and then I put it in the frying pan. Okay. So as I'm letting it as I'm letting it fry, I put two eggs. Mm-hmm. I uh, whisked it. And then I'm supposed to put the cauliflower rice on the side and then the egg on the side as well. Yeah. I'm supposed to let that bad boy scramble. Yeah. I kind of just forgot that part. 
about letting it sit there Did for you a just bit. Pour it all over. I just poured it all over. Mm. So now it became this mushy, eggy fried rice. <laughs> and then you know what? I thought it can't get any worse. I forgot my onions, <laughs> so I put onions and I put garlic cloves and I put garnish. Everything after. I already put the cauliflower so fried rice. Biting into raw garlic. I'm literally just biting into raw garlic. So I just put it in, and that was this disaster. And then my cousin, you know, like he was my sous chef. I didn't really know if I wanted him to be my sous chef, but he kind of was just there. Same thing with my mom as well. They're kind of just like breathing down my neck, like <sighs> just waiting for me to make my next step, like waiting for me to mess up somehow. But I ended up making it, and you know what, man? It was good. And the reason why I know it's good is because I gave it to my dad and he said it was good and he would never lie to me. Never. Not once in his life. He disowned me that one party for your graduation party. <laughs> he disowned me then. But besides that, we have a great, healthy relationship. So I know he would never lie to me. <laughs> father and son. Classic father and son relationship. Who um, doesn't get disowned who nowadays? Doesn't, yeah, I mean, come on. It's, <laughs> it's not a big deal. No, I'm happy for you. I'm glad uh, it came yeah. out right. I think the best part about this was, again, like just knowing exactly what you're putting into your body and something about that just made it so much more personal. And um, especially for like my fitness goals, it aligns directly with it. So I had a ton of fun doing it. Uh, I still have a crap ton of like chopped up cauliflower that I need to get through. <laughs> so I, I should be having some cauliflower fried rice and I'll be dropping some off here, bad boy. Don't worry no, about no, that. No, no, don't. It's fine. Oh, man. no. Oh, no. Trust the raw I, garlic, I insist, the raw please. onions. I want to feed you. I want you to stay in a chair. I want you to, f I want to feed you the entire thing. So, um, and you know, it's not fair. Like you come, you come over to like my house and I give you cookies. <laughs> I give you, what else have I made you? I Tarts. mac and cheese, those uh pastes de nada. Like I, I give you all this great food and then in return, the first time you make something, you bring me cauliflower rice. But don't you want to be lean, brother? Don't you want to be strong, brother? No. No, oh. not oh, not at the okay. cost of <laughs> eating cauliflower rice. But trust me when I say that you can make healthy food taste good. I'm telling you, man. Man, I think that's a myth. Okay. No, come on. Okay, here's here's my my theory when it comes to food in general is everything that tastes good is bad for you. What? Everything that tastes good is bad for you. Avocado. Okay. Fight me. Well, I mean, you can't have a lot of it. But it's still like it's still healthy and it still tastes good. I mean, I guess it depends on your individual fitness goals in that sense. But dude, chocolate, cake, like like all of these wings even like all of these things so you're telling me you. there isn't a single healthy food that also tastes good man's talking about a myth that's the hottest take since you seeing lebron yeah James you know what go. i'm gonna go with that Come why on. not let me lean into it i like 60 percent believe the take but why not i'm gonna <laughs> i'm gonna lean into that's this. how good radio was made yeah exactly <laughs> you think skip Bayless believes everything 100 percent? no this is how we live it yeah okay nothing that's healthy and good for you tastes good Nothing Hit that's me. healthy. Give me, give, give me, give me examples. Peanut man. butter. No. Peanut butter is great. It's healthy. It has healthy fats. I swear, like, the peanuts aren't good for, like, inflammation and stuff like oh that. Oh, my yeah. God. So you're really going to dive that deep, you piece <laughs> of shit? <laughs> okay, so I gave you avocado already. I gave you peanut butter. How about, um... 
Okay, dude, give me meals. Don't meals? Give me, don't give me okay. pe- like individual ingredients. Okay, give, sure. Because look, peanut butter sandwich. No, you got carbs in the bread and stuff like that. Like processed bread and stuff like that. No, like give me actual like meals. Okay, a nice healthy snack is um, peanut butter and bananas. I hate bananas. Bananas taste okay, so that's bad. Okay, uh, that's up to you. I'm no. sorry on your behalf, girl. Dude, bananas don't taste good. Anyone who says bananas <gasps> taste Omar, good. what are these takes? I've Dude. known you for so long. What do you mean bananas don't taste good? Banana, Where is this coming bananas from? Bananas don't have taste. They're just texture. It's just, it's it's mass that you're eating through. Like, it, there's no... You are being absolutely ridiculous right now. You're tell, you don't like bananas. No, I so don't when, like any fruit, to when be honest. We go to, you don't like any fruit? So when we go to Dimitri's, you don't get the tongue depressor. No. Oh, I do get the tongue depressor, but there's no bananas on that. Are there no bananas on that? I don't think there's bananas on the tongue depressor. Oh, man. It's just the waffle, the ice cream. They have the brownie the in there. whipped cream, the chocolate sauce. Don't ask how I know this. <laughs> <laughs> I've been meaning to go there, to be honest. Mm, I we should go. Depressor. I miss it. But, man, I'm, I'm, too, I'm too dedicated to this cut, man. Me, you, and Wasi just had a steak and shisha night. Yeah. And... I didn't have a single Krispy Kreme donut, and God bless you for bringing that. But damn, yeah. Now that I think about it, you didn't. You're sabotaging the rest of our dance. <laughs> I mean, because Wasi and I obviously had to finish them all. I mean, we could have just let them yeah, go. It's not like <laughs> they were gonna go to waste, you know. So I mean, Wasi and I did what we had to do. <laughs> but I mean, you know what? Like, um, I'm happy with the way that that kind of turned out with like cooking and all that. Um, weightlifting still more or less the same, but again, I want to focus on the on the nutritional side of it because I think that's super important, and there's so much to learn with it. So that's what I really want to focus on now. Um, what if what are some things that you've been up to in the past? Let's see things that I have been. Give up us some to. updates, baby. Yeah, you know what? Let's do. Let's make this podcast episode all about like updates of what's been going on in our lives and and things like that. Update us on our friendship. How are we doing? I think we are stronger than ever. Oh, shit. You, you gave like a real answer. Yeah. No facts. Well, if, did you want me to give like a fake I thought you were going to say something troll like I hate you. Don't ever come like don't ever look at me ever again. Well, I mean, that would be a signal for how strong our friendship is. No, yeah. Well, because shit. we can say things well, like that. Well, now that you said the truth, what does this mean? Where are we, Omar? <laughs> well, where are we? <laughs> you know what? Get the hell out of my house. <laughs> right, we're good. We're good. <laughs> there we go. Um, Okay, let's 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 talk updates. All right. Let me let me ask you something. Okay. Hit me with a specific question. I know that in uh in a previous episode, in fact, in our IG at the session ball, we have a post with you playing the piano. Yeah. What's going on with the piano, baby? Piano, I have been struggling to make time for it, mm. but I have been practicing still. Good. I've been practicing. I've been there are a couple things that I can little tunes that I'm starting to like get more comfortable with and I even went and had my first piano lesson with an instructor nice. and then I didn't end up going back because I realized I'm pretty broke and I can't, <laughs> can't afford these regular instructions. Yeah. But, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm finding time to I'm finding time where I can for it and things like that. And I think the best thing about it is it's right there in the living room. So I just I can come downstairs and if I have 20 minutes just I'm bumming around. I don't have anything to do. I'm kind of ignoring my parents that are in the kitchen. Oh, so I'll, of course. Just, I'll just come to sit in the living room, play the piano for like 20 minutes, and then I'll go off to do the, And then that's 20 <laughs> minutes I would have never spent practicing if I had to just walk by. Sorry, but that's the funniest mental image ever. It's like your parents are having a super serious discussion talking about the future <laughs> with like your little sister, or your older brother. And then you just kind of have your earphones in or you just block everything else out and start playing. <laughs> and they just, they just hear, they hear run away from the other run room. Away. Ding, ding. Ding. <laughs> Actually, I've been playing. Uh, I've been trying to learn um, 
you know the Naruto sad song, Sadness and Sorrow? Oh, I feel like the, I've the studied classic, that before. The yeah. classic sad one that happens anytime someone dies in Naruto. <laughs> so that's what I've been playing. So it's like the serious convo going on and they hear like Konoha like <laughs> music and stuff <laughs> like that in the background. <laughs> it's pretty jokes. So do you find the piano, because the way that I know you, you enjoy things like meditation. You enjoy things like, I remember from our um, other episode, you talked about kind of escaping and like, it seems like you're the type of person that likes doing things that kind of make your mind wander. A yeah. Bit. You're super into like reflection and thinking and all of that. Do you find the piano, does it give you that or is it? Honestly, I feel like that might be something that once I get really good at it and yeah. I can play it like right. it's second nature. I hope that that's something that I can achieve. And it's like, you know, therapeutic just going there and playing. But it's tough. Like, mm. I, I'd be lying if I said that it isn't. It's it, You make so many mistakes. You're over. And think of it as, like, trying to ride a bike. You're trying to memorize the first time. You're trying to learn everything at the same time. You're trying to, like, you're overcomplicating and overanalyzing everything. I know that. Like, the fluidity with which professional and even, like, experienced piano players play. Like, I don't have that. I'm so stiff. I'm so... Mm overthinking every key every single thing so right now it's a really it's a challenge but i feel like everyone needs to get through this you can't get to that level of comfort unless you you know the first time you're driving a car you're you're so um spotty with the acceleration with the braking it's so stiff and things like that but eventually everyone learns to accelerate and brake smoothly so okay that's good yeah so i guess for you it's just just continuing to be consistent with it. Yeah. I guess that's just more so you're up to Just trying to find find more time for it kind of thing. But I'm I don't beat myself up about it because I'm happy. I have a really good life and yeah. I'm I'm when I'm not the reason why I'm not playing the piano is because I'm just doing something else that I really enjoy kind of thing, right? So as long as you're doing something that makes you happy, like no regrets. Like if I was just wasting my time away and I was unhappy and then I'd be complaining about not having time for the piano, then it'd be like, Well, come on, just make a sacrifice right only 24 hours in a day so so i guess on that note then what are some of the other cooler things that you've been up to uh, i wanted to ask about well a few things actually um the website i know yeah. that you have a uh, a website that you were talking about not too long ago so how's that been going have you been consistent with the updating it or? uh so i spent a little time on like updating format and and, and things like that but actual content wise i i should probably what i was doing last night actually was brainstorming and i have a bunch of notes now on new articles that i that i want to write on that because i realized cool. that i still want that outlet and and yesterday's fight the boxing fight that we watched and um what's been going on in basketball with the sixers and things like that all of these things sometimes i get these ideas and i realize i want to turn them into articles and like longer pieces but i let them kind of float away i never really bring them in and make them actionable items and things like mm -hmm. that. But I've been trying to, especially with the website, because it's one of those things where each article is its own topic kind of thing. And it's, it's, it's linear that I want to start like, you know, keeping those things. I keep notes now in my, in my phone for potential article ideas. And it's something I've started doing for the podcast as well. Kind of thing. If, uh, IG content, again, the session ball on Instagram or whatever comes into my head, I kind of make a note of it just so I can come back to it at some point And I don't forget it. It's, it's all about, emptying my brain with the stuff that I don't need to remember there's stuff that you should be thinking about and stuff you should be remembering but then there's stuff that you don't you don't need to burden yourself with you can just write it down and forget it and move on kind of thing yeah no that makes sense I uh I, I think the website idea is just 
it's just such a good idea in the first place. Um, because I I know that you've been doing journaling as well. Yeah. Just like on a uh, like on a day to day, or like as often as you do do it. Exactly. Um, I find that using words is the easiest way to express thoughts and to express exactly what's going through your head. Sometimes, um, you know, like just saying things can be. You can, especially with me. I I just have so many things in my head. Sometimes it's difficult to express everything. Yeah. Whereas when you're actually writing something out, be it through spoken word or through poetry or through just writing it down in a journal, you're just so focused and in the moment that you're able to express all those thoughts that you do have in your head. Exactly. You ever have one of those conversations with someone and then at the end of it, you're like, damn, I didn't even realize I felt that way because... So many times. Why, why does that happen? That happens because... You can't just sit across from the person you're talking to and just like stare at them and nod and and then at the end of it have that same revelation. I've done that many times. It doesn't work. <laughs> the, the The whole reason this happens is because through a conversation, you're forced to take what you have in your head and put it into words so you can communicate it to the person mm. next to you kind of thing. Right. And through that process of conversion of thoughts to words and then and then communicating that you learn things about yourself because you're forced to make sense of it all, right? You can't just communicate, you can't communicate brainwaves to brainwaves. No one can read your mind kind of thing, right? If there's something bothering you, Ben, you need to turn that into words so I can understand what it is. And when you turn it into words, you learn stuff about yourself. So that whole process, that's something that I've been wanting to do with myself, with through through journaling, for example. Like you said, the power of words. I have all this stuff going on in my head and I want to understand myself better I forced myself to put it into words and and in that in that process I learned so much more about myself. Yeah, um yeah, I guess like you learn you learn especially the most about the power of of words and how quick you need to be when you when you're in a group chat of like eight dudes <laughs> and it's talking it's you know they're talking badly about your team. You really yeah. need to be quick with those words because if you if you if you stutter or mess up just a little bit or if you mess like if you miss a sentence, you're completely you're done. Yeah, you will be buried underneath and everybody will just keep putting dirt on you. Yeah. That's just how it goes. I mean, when the group chat's roasting you, you are just grasping trying to defend yourself and exactly. and you and you can't slip up. You have all this anger in your head and you need to you need to try to defend yourself <laughs> and you're so frustrated but you need to keep your cool and like oh, come man. up with intellectual retorts other than just man, shut up. Now Omar, you know I love you. I actually don't, but you No, know, I do. Very much so actually. So much that when your fighter, Deontay Wilder, when he loses in that domin in that domination in the purest form by the Gypsy King, mate, Tyson Fury, ooh, was that a game to watch? And I had no idea that you even liked Deontay Wilder. Oh man! And right when they lost, oh man, I sent you, <laughs> I tagged you with a WhatsApp group chat. I get, I sent you posts from Fifty Cent. I sent you posts from Fifty Cent again. I just kept tagging. I didn't you. open that post like, a single time. You sent that like seven <laughs> times in the group chat. I didn't, I didn't open it. I, I didn't like, even read it. I just, I was like, yo, Omar, yo, Omar. Yeah, you, you wouldn't even say yo. You'd be Y E O, and and that something about you saying yo was so frustrating that I just. 
it was self-care. I just stopped checking the chat. Self-care. I, I, I told myself, I'm like, you know what? I'm just not even going to open what this This is payback me. for making Ebon correct herself <laughs> when she did a lowercase LOL to a capital because OKC laws. <laughs> well, come on. You deserved it. Okay. So context. None of us actually follow boxing. No. That None of us know no. anything about boxing. I've been trying to get into it recently, but... In comparison, like my basketball knowledge versus my boxing knowledge, boxing would be like less than 2% kind of thing. I am I know nothing. And same thing with basketball. <laughs> I hate <laughs> you so much. That doesn't even make sense. <laughs> I was talking about relatively speaking. Nah, you can't say nah. both of them are less than 2%. You're less than 2%. That's not how math works. I'm in the 1%. <laughs> that doesn't make sense. That's worse. <laughs> yeah, I hate you so much. Anyways. <laughs> I don't know anything, but I, I, I enjoy. <laughs> we all know that, man. Will you shut up? <laughs> I can't. I can mute a WhatsApp chat. I can't mute you in real life. I'm gonna turn off your mic. You know, I'm just gonna reach over to the mixer and turn it off, so I don't have to hear it in my headphones. So, go on, buddy. <laughs> so, I I I'm trying to learn, you know, as fast as I can, as much as I can about boxing because it's a sport I'm starting to enjoy more and more. And Deontay Wilder was one of those fighters that I started watching his fights and the the heavyweight division is always really fun to watch. So he became my favorite in the heavyweight division. And of all the big names that are out there right now, I like Deontay Wilder the best and I wanted him to win against Tyson Fury last night in their in their rematch and wilder i think the best way of describing it is fury did everything he wanted to do in that fight he, he never took a step back uh, tyson fury everything that tyson fury said he was going to do pretty much he ended up doing up until even licking deontay wilder's blood which is so disrespectful so disrespectful so, and if i was a tyson fury fan th- this would be amazing i would be so happy but i i still even after the loss i support deontay wilder so it's been tough and as soon as wilder lost you know of course the group chat started blowing up All, everyone that i was watching this fight with so you know what um iman uh, shahid zubair Robin, these guys were all, they all liked Deontay Wilder going into this fight. And then right after that hit where Wilder, I think, ruptured his eardrum and and his balance came off and everything like that, they all switched sides. They're like, no, nah, we like Tyson Fury now. And I'm, again, alone getting roasted watching. Yeah, I mean, like, I guess my thoughts on the uh, on the boxing match, again, I don't really follow boxing. Um, I don't know too, too much about it. I confused Tyson Fury for Deontay Wilder. I didn't know who You didn't know which who. one was which. But, you know, like, again, can we talk about the entrances really quick? Because Yeah, let's do that. That's something we on. can understand. That's <laughs> you know, boxing. Okay, let me read notes. Boxing analysis, you know, you know, the repercussions of what this means for the heavyweight division. Uh, promote, like, none of this stuff. We have no insight into. But, yo, they were playing the thing with the music. That thing but, with the music but, was really cool. But, but music and, and entrances and showmanship, this is stuff that we, have, this is our forte. What was going on there? It just seemed like the most WW, not even E. Because Attitude Era wouldn't even do this. This was like 90s WWF stuff. They were coming out with costumes. Like, I get it. The Gypsy King, that's his thing. But it just felt so artificial and so, like, I know what they're trying to do. Yeah. Boxing is trying to attract fans. They want to recreate Conor McGregor so badly 
within boxing. Yeah. And I guess they're trying to do that with Tyson Fury. I know he's all about the showmanship. But even Deontay Wilder, I thought he was a let's go straight to the point kind of, kind of guy. He comes out with this gigantic mask wearing like a Power yeah. Ranger outfit. So with Wilder, he's always worn masks. Well, that's that's kind of his okay, thing. So okay. Wilder's always been wearing masks. and But you, you'll notice that like from fight to fight, they get more and more elaborate. Now it's like a full body suit kind of thing. Full that, body, yeah. That they ended up wearing. And before it was literally, just masks. Literally a like Power that. Ranger. It yeah. was insane. So a lot of this is branding, you know, creating that aura of grandeur being bigger than you are and things like that i mean tyson fury literally showing up in a throne and things like that yeah but part of it is also so so they do that because one the fighters like doing that uh deontay wilder they they like how it makes them feel they like how it amps you up before a big fight and whatever that might be and the other part of it is you want to create as much of a spectacle as you can because then your fights are worth more the the purse becomes bigger people tune into these fights more like look at us we watched this fight and we saw Tyson Fury we're more likely to watch the next Tyson Fury match because of what we saw in the and the and and what the the show that he put on kind of thing, right? Mm-hmm. So the creating that spectacle is what what these fighters are trying to do at that point. Yeah, it just I don't know. It just seems so like the last uh like boxing match that I that I watched. Um, I'm trying to remember exactly what it was. Was it a Mayweather fight? It it could have maybe even another one past that, but it definitely didn't have this level of showmanship. Yeah. So that for sure surprised me. I didn't expect that from boxing. And and this was a unique case too. Like right. Fury went Fury's never done that before. Yeah. And Wilder's never walked in like full uniform from what I remember as well, kind of thing. But it was it would they went above and beyond. Oh, but definitely. I mean, I, I think that shows in the numbers. I think they killed it on the pay per view buys and and they made this fight made a lot of money. Both yeah. fighters made a lot of money, kind of thing. So it works. Like what they're doing works. I mean, we we remember it. And I searched up the song that the Gypsy King like came into came in with. Yeah, uh, Patsy something crazy. It's a good song. I like the song. It was pretty cool. <laughs> Did you um, search up the one he was singing at the end too? And I, I think it was the uh, American uh, American Pie or something yeah. like that. Some some song like that. But it, it was cool. But I mean, I guess onto the match itself. Um, when I heard that, uh, Tyson Fury, the commentator said he gained an additional 25 pounds from the rematch from, uh, or from the match before in December. Yeah. I immediately, we both wrestled. We know how big of an impact weight can have on somebody. Wait, what are you trying to say? <laughs> what, what do you mean? We both know the impact of weight. I already completed you, buddy. You don't got to worry about that. God. Yeah. Tyson Fury came in looking like Ben in first year. <laughs> like, and Tyson Fury came in looking like Omar right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! <laughs> so he was two fifty before, and he's two seventy something uh, for for this match. Yeah, like two seventy six. Two seventy six, and yeah. man, he um, you can see within the fight, like when they were grappling, Tyson Fury just putting that additional weight on him definitely tired uh, Deontay Wilder out. Yeah, quite, by quite a bit. He had controlled the entire match, it seemed like, uh, because, you know, he was, like, like walking into uh, Deontay Wilder. Um, he had, like, these, these, like, crackhead jitters going around. His head was shaking violently and all that. Tyson Fury was on one that entire match. Yeah. Landing those jabs, landing those punches. And you and as you said, that, uh, that one punch that really got Deontay Wilder, like, stumbling and all yeah. that. Ooh, that's when I knew, man. I think that's when everybody knew. Yeah, it's so hard to come back from because if you look at it from Wilder's perspective, he needed to fight a perfect match in that sense because he was 
Fury's taller. Fury has more reach. Fury weighs more. Uh, Fury is um, Fury landed that what I kind of think was an illegal hit, the right hook that connected behind Deontay Wilder's uh, left ear. That ruptured his eardrum, threw off his balance for the rest of that fight. From that from that moment on, Wilder just needed to survive when he was in the ring. And what Wilder was doing was he would clench up trying to avoid Fury's punches, but then the clenching meant Fury's putting all of its weight and tiring out Wilder even more, making Wilder make it more likely for Wilder to fall and, and get knocked down and things like that. So what's happening there is like in the short term, clenching was uh, 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 clenching, sorry, was was what um, he needed to do, but. In the long term, it was just making him more and more tired as the rounds went on. And that's what we saw. Like when the fight got called, he, Wilder was just in the corner and he was just getting knocked around. And and it need it was a right it was, it was the right, right decision call, yeah. to do, like for his own sake. And in the moment, I know Wilder didn't recognize that because you don't realize what's happening in the moment. But I'm sure when Wilder, like today, he's gonna watch the film and he's gonna look back and he's gonna be like, damn, like I was getting rocked this entire fight. I was just thinking about this right now, but uh, I remember we had discussions on football and like how, you know, kind of unsafe it is with these players getting concussed and all of that. Yeah. The reason why I'm bringing this up is because Wilder legitimately seems like he, you know, like there were times where I literally thought that he had a concussion as well. Yeah. And he, so, and he might, he might, he might have and one. He yeah. might, and, and it really makes me wonder, like this sport that we're watching yeah. I want to get your thoughts on it. It's a very dangerous sport. Yeah. You're literally watching somebody else beat, you know, like you're watching two two people go at it, trying to beat each other to a pulp. It's, I would say it's the most dangerous it's combat sport. More dangerous, more dangerous than MMA because you are isolating the places where you get hit. It's not body shots. It's not legs. It's not hits to the legs, arms or anything. It's literally, I'm just trying to hit this guy's head. And you think of stories like Muhammad Ali, yeah, and how you know that how that uh, uh, turned out for him, uh, Mike Tyson, that dude that Mike Tyson like he bit his ear off, <laughs> he was there proudly on stage, but I thought that was funny. He had to shake Mike Tyson's head. <laughs> um, but you 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 see all these different things, and it's like how like boxing as a sport, like why is it still allowed? Yeah, it's it's part of the culture you know it's it's american football it's it's part of the culture it's these things are going to take they are such large entities boxing as a sport as what people watch that if you're trying to change the direction and the course of these like behemoths it's going to take a long time like american football it's still so dangerous it's still but i mean there's such a large movement behind it. It's the most popular sport, I'm pretty sure, in, in North America that it'll always continue to, to exist. And same with boxing. Like, we see it from, from our perspective and we're like, this is so dangerous. But, I mean, millions of people watch it. Millions of people pay money for it. It's kind of how it's always been. There have been incremental improvements in safety across these sports. But people just keep wanting to watch it. So we're the, they give them what people want. Yeah. No, I was just I guess I was just thinking about it from that from that sense. I mean, like when you're watching American football, a lot of people's complaints about it is the whole, you know, how unsafe it is. Whereas boxing is like you're literally trying to. I'm I'm sure Deontay Wilder. I mean, he said. I remember you telling me that he he said things like, you know, you're trying to murder the person yeah. in the same ring as you're like literally trying to kill them. Yeah. 
Um, it just seems like such a dangerous sport. There is there are still things that the sport can do to to make themselves safer and a lot of that actually comes not within the ring itself so within the ring it's all about you know having having the paramedics right there in the building ready yeah. to take you having a hospital bed for each fighter ready right there these are like logistical things that the promoters and the safety organizations that certify these fights need to make sure and there's still room for improvement in those things like there have recently have been like fighters within the last few months that have died because stuff like this wasn't in place and they needed to be in place so those are things that that can be done but a lot of the risk in these fights doesn't come from the night itself it's the training camp leading up to it what happens is these fighters while training because they don't just train on punching bags they they take hits and they give hits at the same time if they get a concussion during training camp that's what messes them up because from a fighter's perspective, you could be getting millions and millions of dollars if you fight on a given night. But if you have a concussion, you're supposed to disclose that from beforehand. You're supposed to ensure you you no longer fight a replacement fights in your stead. But what these fighters and sometimes their trainers uh, manipulate them into doing is hiding and downplaying the injuries that they've suffered during training camp, which is really rigorous in an effort to get that payday. But when they go in there, you're just compounding what already exists. I don't know what the time limit is, but I think it's like six weeks or two months or something from a concussion you can't fight. Insane. But but a lot often these fighters will hide it and things like that, right? Because they don't want to miss out on thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions of dollars. So now, how do you think Wilder comes out of this? After this fight, is he... he like, that was an embarrassing fight on his end. It, it is. So... Two things. One, all of all of the greats or a lot of the greats have lost. Yeah. Muhammad Ali lost. Mike Tyson lost. Mm-hmm. Like all of these all of these fighters have lost before. So it's that's you can come back. You can rebuild yourself after something like this. You can become a world champion again. You can go after the belts and things like that. Part of the argument against Deontay Wilder and why a lot of people don't like him is that 42-0 record they say has been kind of like stat padded in the sense that he's fought people that aren't the best fighters they call him bums and things like that like these no-name people and and that's how he became 42 and oh he he didn't fight the best at their best kind of thing oh. so what people are saying is the two times he fought a really good fighter tyson fury one ended up in a draw which a lot of people say wilder should have lost and the second was a loss for wilder mm-hmm. so when they say look what happens when we put him up against the best of the best kind of thing so it's that reputation is going to take is going to be really hard for him to recover so what he needs to do is work himself back up and immediately going start going after the best again i don't know if that's a fury rematch he has a rematch clause uh Deontay Wilder I don't know if that's going after Fury again or if it's going after the other big heavyweights like Anthony Joshua or something like that so boxers can come back from this but you need to be relentless in your pursuit because it's so political and there's so much drama when it comes to setting up these fights and between promoters and things like that that very easily you can kind of get lost into the abyss if you're not relentless about it if you don't show that you're a marketable person if you don't sell the story if Deontay Wilder doesn't sell the story of I'm coming back to reclaim what was mine then nobody really wants to fight him anymore he kind of becomes a has-been and I'm not saying that's what Wilder's gonna do I think it's in him and I'm rooting for him he's still my guy that he can come back and do it, but it's all about, you know, being relentless in your pursuit and going after the best of the best. Yeah. I mean, I mean, do you think that it was the additional weight 
you've you've watched boxing a lot more than I than I do. So what are some things that you thought were the biggest reasons why it was that like why Tyson Fury dominated that hard? So I think the biggest was I mean that one hit. The, yeah. That one after that, like it's so hard to say because Wilder was off his balance the entire time. He was tripping over himself, and it, you you can't fight you your your entire balance of fluid in in your in your ear after that's been ruptured. Like you can't possibly fight. You can maybe fight guys like us at that point, you know. But to fight one of the best boxers in the world at, in in that condition, you can't do it. So that one hit is is to blame for a lot of it. But even before that hit. Fury was imposing his will on Deontay Wilder. And I think the weight was part of it. The reach and all that was part of it. But Six, nine. Yeah. Man. But Wilder, he was he was never going to end it in the first round, right? He was going to use the first few rounds to try to understand his opponent and things like that. And and then find that opening because all he needs is one punch. That's, that's all he needs. And that's how it's been for those last few fights. So he was trying to find that opening and understand him. But... He just never got a chance to capitalize on that because of that ruptured eardrum. Yeah, I mean, I guess, yeah, I, I can definitely, that one hit definitely left him yeah. stumbling. And you can, you notice yeah. the difference past that. Yeah. Right? Like, there's like a before that point and then after that point. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think as well. In terms of Tyson Fury, man, I don't know if I see him as that household name. I don't know if he can bring new fans into the, into, into the sport of boxing. He has a showmanship. He loves the attention. He loves bringing attention to the sport, but it he just doesn't seem like he has that same charm or that yeah. same level of charm that would entice me to watch. If this was Tyson Fury against somebody else random, yeah. I'm not at the point yet where I want to watch it. There's only so many old English, like, boob man boobs jiggling that i would like to see <laughs> and and tyson fury definitely isn't one uh, of them that's funny so so a lot of people that uh, anyone listening to this that actually religiously follows boxing and things like that would probably be rolling in their grave right now based on this conversation that we're having and based on what you just said but i think i'm on the opposite fence i think what you said is accurate and your opinion holds a lot of value and the reason for that is boxing as a sport is trying to attract new fans they're doing a lot to attract new fans and you're the exact type of person that they're trying to attract someone who does watch combat sports from time to time i mean you probably watch at least two or three ufc fights a year kind of thing right like yeah yeah, you so you're the exact person they're trying to attract and if you were talking to a boxing executive right now and you said what you said they would try to be thinking of ways to bring people like you in so your opinion does hold value as as uninformed as you and i might be like our opinions do matter in that sense so i i agree that that uh, maybe in north america it might be a little harder Uh, tyson fury is really big in the uk uh so deontay wilder is probably more of a household name here and he's more i guess the type of media that we follow and the athletes that we follow they're probably more likely to identify with deontay wilder so they're more likely to be friends with Deontay Wilder and things like that. So that's more of a name for us. But I'm not sure what boxing can do to try to, I guess they need people like, they need young people to become old heads so they can like yeah, the sport. I think you know, that maybe that's it. the path to success. Yeah. Because I started liking boxing when I became more of an old head. <laughs> I mean, and you literally described it. That, that's how you said it. You're like, guys who like boxing are, are, are old, old heads. heads. Yeah. It's just like, you know, 
I just feel like with Tyson Fury, it's like after the game finished, you know, he's just like, yeah, you know, like he's, you know, he's going to be a champion once again, you know, like hoping for the best for Deontay. He's a hell of a fighter and all of that. The reason why I'll watch any Conor McGregor fight is because he's just, there's just a natural entertainer in him. Yeah. And Tyson Fury in the fight itself, like, yeah, like tasting blood and all like that was savage. I'm not gonna lie. That was complete savagery. But it, it just it just didn't capture me. You know, you know what I mean? Like the way that a Conor McGregor fight does. I know nothing about UFC before that, but with McGregor, I was like, oh, this guy's like really interesting. He's super disrespectful. And of course, because you get to the point of constantly trying to entertain, you start throwing chairs in people's buses like Khabib's. Mm-hmm. And then there's there's absolutely limits to everything. So I guess it's kind of like a double-edged sword with the amount of entertainment value that Conor McGregor tries to bring uh, before a fight and even after it. Yeah, you know what? You need a you need someone as polarizing as that. You a know, what? polarizing figure. You need a polarizing figure like that in every single sport. You need someone that either you love or you hate, and every sport should have that. I mean, UFC has Conor McGregor, and basketball has LeBron James. Basketball has a lot. Yeah, Russ, Harden, LeBron James. Yeah, but any I, superstar has yeah, a pole. You know, but like, I think more than anything, I mean. The league is literally two types of people, people that love LeBron. And if you you either love LeBron and think he's the greatest, if not one of the greatest players of all time, or you hate LeBron. Yeah. And there's no there's no middle ground. You can have middle ground on other types of players like players. You're like, yeah, you know, he's good or like, you know, I don't really feel anyways. But LeBron's one of those divisive, divisive players that you will either love or you will hate. And there's no in between. And McGregor's kind of the same. Like, I hate McGregor. I hate him. But. You know, he's good for the sport for that for that same reason, right? Like, I I think it's the same song and dance every single time he messes up. He does something bad. Dana White comes and says, <laughs> McGregor will never fight again. This is the most disrespectful thing I've ever seen. And then, like, three months later, he's on stage with McGregor, like, hugging him and things like that. It's the same thing. Dana White's not going to let him go because McGregor's their, their money horse. And everyone recognizes that. So, from a business perspective, I get it. But, you know, every every sport needs those, those polarizing people. And maybe it's that I don't know enough about boxing that I don't know enough of these polarizing people. Maybe yeah. Canelo Alvarez is that person or something like that. So. Yeah, it's just, uh, as unfortunate as it might sound, because we're just brain-dead monkeys at this point, it really comes down to, you don't necessarily need to be the greatest fighter, but you kind of need to be the most entertaining fighter, whatever (laughs) that might be. And uh, it's not going to be cheap gimmicks like the WWE. You need to have, you need to have something. Yeah. And it's, it's so important. I mean, Muhammad Ali, that's, that's what he, that's polarizing. He was, he was polarizing and he was so Mike entertaining. freaking Tyson. Yeah. These guys were, did you watch the Muhammad Ali documentary? Uh, what is my name? No, I didn't. Man, that is one thing that you gotta, you, you yeah. will find a newfound appreciation for the sport and Muhammad Ali's story. Like, it was one of the best documentaries I've ever seen. Is it on life. Netflix? I don't know if it's on Netflix. I watched it somewhere else. Okay. But, yeah, uh, I know. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. No, I'm going to check that out. Check that what out. What is my name? What is my name? Okay. Okay. Yeah. But you know, on the topic of polarizing players and, and, and things like that, LeBron James has been pretty polarizing, but you know what You know what else has been pr- pretty polarizing in basketball? Mm. The Philadelphia what? 76ers. Yikes. Because one day I hate them and the next day I love I them. I know it's tough. You know what? Let me catch it's you up tough. on what's been going on Tell in me. Philadelphia. So the Sixers. All I gotta say is Joel Embiid is back. This man is back with a vengeance. 
He's back to his old ways. He's back to trolling people. He's back to saying he's the best player in the league. He's back to just dominating on the defensive and completely being an unstoppable force there, anchoring their defense. And then on offense, you know, understanding his place, understanding how and who he can, who he can, uh, who he can bully and when he needs to pass out of double teams and when he needs to let the offense flow through Ben. So it's been great to watch. But on the other side of things, Ben Simmons is gone. And not gone because he's he's not um he's not there like Embiid was, but gone in the sense that man, this man is injured, and that breaks my heart. Yeah, I mean going back to the whole Embiid thing, um he called himself the best player, not the best center, but the p- best player in the league right now. I'll see any lie. Which I thought was absolutely ridiculous <laughs> because you can't call yourself the best player and play 30 games in a season. You've got to be consistent with the amount of games that you play. And Embiid just doesn't have it. And you said it yourself. He's stupid with his injuries. And Philly, Philly's medical staff is just as stupid too. Yeah. This whole thing about Ben Simmons, I know you got to rant. Oh, yeah. I know you got to vent about that. I went off on Twitter I for saw that your tweets. I saw your tweets on that. Okay. What is going on with them? Why so, would they let Ben Simmons play? Okay. So here's what happened. Embiid came back way too early because he wanted to play in the Kobe game right after Kobe's Get death. the whole 24 yeah. points thing. Yeah. He, 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 he wanted to be there. He was not ready. He had this massive cast on his hand while he was playing in the splint or whatever. And every time he would hit it, he would just wince in pain. And it just you just look at it and you're like, why is this happening? Why is he out there? This is so dangerous. But, you know. The, the medical staff, they'll do the classic, well, you know, he can't get any worse, so just <laughs> keep going. Like, like somehow an injury reaches a limit, and they're like, yep, no, this is about it. <laughs> trust trust me, guys. This is the threshold. Uh, we, we won't get any worse. Don't worry about it. His wrist talks to the doctors or something like that. <laughs> but anyways, and, and Philadelphia has a history of downplaying injuries, mismanaging mis- players, mismanaging players uh, letting him beat in his rookie season, play with a torn meniscus, and then realizing afterwards, like, oh, yeah, we did do some tests. I guess he does have a torn meniscus. And Ben Simmons, who had uh, suffered a back injury um, during a practice a few days ago, he missed the Brooklyn game because of that, and he was not ready to come back, but the 76ers brought him back anyways. He played, he re-aggravated the injury, and now it looks like it might be something serious. We don't know how bad it's going to be. They did some tests today. The results aren't going to come out till they do more tests tomorrow. But Ben Simmons was clearly upset. We don't know if he was upset about not being able to go into the game or upset because it's a serious injury, whatever it might be. But how incompetent can the Philadelphia 76ers get? Like, what I don't understand is... There are so many teams out there in the league that would be so happy to have what the Sixers have in the sense that they have Joel Embiid, who is a potentially a top five player in the league when healthy. And they have Ben Simmons, one of the best generational young talents in the league. They have these two players. I get it. They make sometimes dumb decisions with the contracts and things like that. They give Al Horford $2 trillion and he's, he can't play anymore. He forgot how to play basketball. And they give Tobias Harris a role player $200 million. Whatever. I get it. But at the end of the day, you still have these two players that you need to build around. And what they do is they're so reckless with their injuries. And they're so short-sighted and stupid that they make mistakes that potentially 
hurt the long-term health of these players and their long-term attachment to these cities. You think if Ben Simmons realizes he ended up hurting his back really bad and it was because Philadelphia mismanaged it, you think he wants to stay in the city or he's going to force him force his way out in one or two years? Like, how dumb can these teams be? If someone is hurt, just let them recover. The regular season doesn't matter. Who cares if you finish fifth or sixth? If Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid aren't healthy for the playoffs, you could be the first seed and none of it would matter. All I'm saying is, the way that I see it with Philly, man, I just... I would hate to be a Philly fan because imagine seeing the potential in those, you know, like rose tinted glasses that you have on. I don't know what you said, that BS you're talking about with young generational talent. Benson. We've talked about that enough times, but if you see it like that, if you see talent there, superstar talent, and admittedly Joel Embiid is a phenomenal player. But then you have the Philly Philly's management who are mismanaging these players. Philly will never win because of it. The mismanagement of the Philly front office and their medical staff, their health is the reason why Philly will never win. And that's the saddest thing that I can ever think of. And, and let me break it down like this. Joel Embiid has never been healthy in the playoffs. Every single year this team has made it to the playoffs, he has never been healthy. And that is so frustrating and so infuri- infuriating. And it's looking like that might end up happening again this year because the way this the way this team is handling injuries. Can they not realize that every year they lose for the same reason because their star talent isn't healthy and they realize they're like, you know what? Maybe it'll be different this time around. Man, it just seems like a nightmare in Philly. Brent Brown, that coach holds no accountability. Man, it's not just him. He he has the locker room, and, and the thing is, he, the players the players like him. You can't get rid of Brett Brown right now in the middle of the season because both Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid love this guy. So there's there's nothing that can happen there. But it's just systemic. It, it's it's all starts at ownership. All of these bad teams, you know, those teams that really suck and have sucked for decades now. Yeah, they all have bad owners. They all have terrible owners, and it all starts from there. That no accountability. That the man look at the look at the Chicago Bulls look at the Philadelphia 76ers look at the Phoenix Suns all of these teams with bad owners and then from top down everything just continues to go bad for these for these teams and it's so frustrating because it's really not on the players the players get all the blame Embiid's the one who gets roasted by inside the NBA for for all these bad games and and things like that and everyone makes fun of Ben Simmons for not being able to shoot and and in the end the players catch all the blame but it all starts at ownership and that's the worst part about it all and it's true for all professional sports not just basketball bad owners don't win so with that being said i want you to update your coming out of the east what do you think so i said this on the last podcast the, the sixers are either going to the finals or they're losing in the first round and <laughs> and there's there's no in between for this team this team is either it's a flip of a coin either they're gonna lose to uh or indiana, La- indiana <laughs> they're gonna lose to indiana in the first round or they're gonna go to the nba finals and no i and so I, I still believe in in Philly and I'm and I'm cl- and I hate it and I hate that I'm here and after seeing all this contradictory evidence I continue to do this I'm like the Philadelphia medical staff I continue to see reports that these players aren't healthy and I'm like nah they're fine they're <laughs> fine 
So I'm a hypocrite in that sense. But I still believe that this team has a level that they can still reach. Embiid and Ben Simmons have a level that they have not reached yet during the regular season. And I'm just excited to see that coming out of the East. You know what, Omar? Based off that, I'm going to throw you a bone. Okay. I'm going to ask you a question. You like all 30 teams in the NBA. (laughs) So what I'm going to do right now is ask you this question. Okay. Reset your fan base. Okay. You don't like a single team. You have no allegiance to any team right now. Based off the teams right now, the way that they stand, which team would you pick? Which team would you want to be a fan of? From today going forward? From today going forward. Okay, so that's everything like you know with with their prospects, what they have exactly, in the future, the way okay. management is. You know a lot about them. The more you watch basketball, so I definitely have a good idea. But uh, what team would you pick? Well, I wouldn't want to be a fan of the Sixers. Really, or you, the Bulls. you you actually wouldn't be a fan of the Sixers anymore. I front office is that bad so to the if point I where could, if I could reset it all, and right now I have like emotional bonds to cities like the Chicago Bulls I have an emotional bond to them I have an emotional bond to players like Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons who I love but if if I could go into a machine and reset it all why would I put myself through that pain again right <laughs> why would I do that why if I if I didn't need to to feel that pain anymore so if I was resetting and this is interesting because now I'm thinking you know what team could you make got. me the happiest in the next like yeah. 10 over the next 10 years 15 years Psst. The Oklahoma City Thunder have Sam Presti. Yeah, and they also have Billy Donovan, who I was told <laughs> by you every single day for the last like three years is a terrible coach. And all of a sudden, Billy Donovan's a great coach, and they're two uh, games out of the the, we'll get, the fourth seed. We'll, we'll, we'll talk get Thunder. There. We'll talk Thunder. Yeah, we'll, we'll get um, there. Atlanta with Trey Young. You got Dallas with Luka. You got uh, New Orleans with uh, Zion. We You got... Um, Buddy, I know you didn't just ask me if I want to be a fan of the New Orleans Pelicans. <laughs> I, I started laughing right after I said it. <laughs> you got New Orleans. <laughs> you know what? Let me start with me then. Okay, go. Let I me love, think for a bit. I, I love Miami. Damn. I love Miami. I love seeing what's going on with Tyler Hero. I think he's going to be a phenomenal player uh, uh, going forward. I see superstar talent in him. I think Bam Adebayo and... Uh, I know you're not too fond of him. And every time I mention Bam Adebayo, I keep saying how you're not too fond of him. But I think he's already um, he's already an all-star right now. And I just see much more improvement uh, going for him. On top of that, I like to have a personal connection with a team. And Pat Riley, boy, that that's a mafia boss. That's a mobster. <laughs> and something about a mobster running a team is just so cool. Miami Heat, man. It just... So, but you'd have to celebrate the 12 and 13 finals no i don't there'd be proud moments for you no i don't as a heat fan huh as a heat fan and what and as a heat fan you'd also be very sad about 2011 so here's the issue with all of this right now i want to say that it wasn't lebron it was Dwayne wade that carried it but i also hate Dwayne wade so i don't like Dwayne wade i don't do i have to say that blood clot chris bosh is the reason why any of this has ever happened so, I don't know who to support right now. How can you be a Miami Heat fan and not like the greatest to ever wear? Because a the greatest is yet to come. You heard who? Me. Tyler, the cre- no Tyler Hero. Wait, but what do you mean? Yet he already wears the jersey. You can't say no, yet no, to no, come. No, no, yet to come means like an eighth grader that hasn't listen, been drafted yet. Listen, Pat Riley. Yo, all I'm trying to say is right now the team that I'm that I like watching. I love the identity of the Miami Heat in this season. That's what I'm trying to say. Okay. Their grit, their hard work, and kind of like their dark horse, like 
nobody really thinks about the Miami Heat all too much. Something about that is is nice. Oh, you're gonna get your heart broken when Jimmy Butler refuses to shoot threes <laughs> in the playoffs. But whatever. <laughs> Boy, um, I know you ain't talking with no dad Ben Simmons. Let me let me say this. Ben Simmons has created the most threes through assists. So he has assisted on the most threes since he came into the NBA. And Philly still doesn't want to surround him with good shooters. Yeah. So that just shows the in since Ben Simmons entered the league as a rookie. No one has passed and created more threes. Not LeBron James, not Giannis, who is literally surrounded by shooters. The entire idea of that team is Giannis driving and kicking it out to shooter. But Ben Simmons has done that, surrounded by mediocre shooters. And he's still done that somehow. So so when people talk about Ben Simmons' offensive impact and, and how he hurts their offense because he doesn't shoot threes, well, yeah, but even with terrible shooters, he creates more threes than any single player. And and that's that's just a fact. But again, Philly front office, Al Horford, bring him in. <laughs> Whatever. Okay. Uh, if I could reset and become a fan of any team, I'd do the Lakers. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not a Lakers fan. I've never really been a Lakers fan. I wasn't really a Kobe guy. Uh, post, like, yeah, actually pretty much since I got into it. I was never really like a, a Lakers guy. But if I'd be a Lakers fan, man, I'd always be happy. I have AD. I have LeBron, greatest player of all time. I have a history of success. Why not? So there's a lot with that, with the Lakers. I mean, they went through like literally the Depression era. And I know you're not, you know, you'd have to success. You'd have to like celebrate Kobe's successes. Ten, and that, uh, and that you just have to accept. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like that's but, just but, part of being. But you know what? Fan. I think it's easier for me to celebrate Kobe's successes than it is for you to celebrate <laughs> Wade and LeBron's. It's more on that brand for me. Well. The only reason why I said the Miami Heat is because I had to pick another team. But if you ask me, I swear on my life and everything holy, I would continue to say the Oklahoma City Thunder and not Toronto. Damn, <laughs> it really. <laughs> It really be like that, you know? I'd rather be an Oklahoma City Thunder fan than the Raptors. I love the Raptors, and I'm going to celebrate them when they win. But until then, OKC, baby. Oh, my God. Let me tell you about something, though, with the OKC Thunder. You gave your little spiel on on, uh, on the 76ers. The Oklahoma City Thunder can possibly be the fourth seed in the Western Conference. Brother, they can get home court advantage in a playoff series. Are you kidding me? Yeah. There's an article that Royce Young posted. Um, It basically talks about um, the Oklahoma City Thunder having this killer lineup. The title of the article is literally Chris Paul, the Oklahoma City Thunder, and the best lineup you don't know about. And it comes down to the effectiveness of Shea Gilgis-Alexander, Chris Paul, and Dennis Schroeder. Their net rating in the fourth quarter, Omar, is literally, um, what's it called? 104.5. Their plus minus is... Wait, 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 oh, sorry. They're, they're, sorry, 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 sorry. 32.1. <laughs> That's net rating overall. <laughs> I was... <laughs> I was in shock. I was like, <laughs> "How these these guys are playing a different sport? Playing a different sport?" <laughs> I never Plus minus of sixty one in the fourth quarter and a net rating of thirty two. 
which is a lot more reasonable than what I said before. But a plus minus of 61, even that is in that's crazy. There are so many Thunder games that I've been watching. When it's close in the fourth quarter, I don't have that stress that I had when it was Russ and PG-13. Because you had PG who was going to miss every open shot and, well, you had Russell Westbrook. And need I say any more? Well, we'll get into that because Russell Westbrook and the Houston Rockets are doing really well together. Mm-hmm. Russell Westbrook is playing like prime Brody right now. You seen that lob that Harden threw him? Yeah, oh, well, baby. Why, why couldn't you do that in OKC, though? Because the same thing with your valuable Ben Simmons. You surround a player, a superstar with good surrounding talent, and that's what you're going to get. Mm-hmm. And Russ finally has it with the Houston Rockets. So, and so, an, so an athletic point guard who can create shots for other people and when the floor is spaced can drive to the rim at will. Interesting. You're saying that's the type of system that uh, Russell Westbrook would succeed in. It's almost as if that's what I've been saying about uh, Ben Simmons as well. You know, maybe, maybe you're just, you're Ben. I think you're a Ben Simmons fan. You just don't know it yet. No, because 24% is always going to be better than zero. And that's just the way I, I see I mean, it. it's not zero. He's hit two threes. So. He's at two threes. Yeah. <laughs> they still have to defend Russ at the three point line. And that's why it's completely different. You're not going to leave Russ completely wide open. You'll never see a game where they leave Russ completely wide open. I mean, they leave they Gian- have they they leave Giannis completely wide open on the three-point line. So. And yeah, Giannis isn't a point guard. He isn't a guard. That's the whole thing. Well, Ben Simmons you isn't need, a you guard. Need, you need to be a guard. Ben Simmons you need to is be able a power to shoot forward. as a guard. Ben Simmons is a power forward, not a guard. <sighs> Let me get back into this. Dennis Schroeder, Chris Paul and uh um, Shea. Shea. Six foot one Chris Paul, six foot one Dennis Schroeder, six foot five um, Shea. This small ball that they're playing, all three of them, it works together so well. And it really makes me wonder about the future of the NBA because the Houston Rockets, yo, they've been soaring, Matt. They've been succeeding with the small ball lineup. They're like eight and two in that. They're era, doing yeah. great right now. Yep. Harden finally got his mojo back. I thought he wouldn't be that good without Clint Capella. I was wrong. Russ and Harden are coexisting beautifully together. Harden, PJ Tucker in the corner, Russ dishing it out to him, hitting those corner threes. They're doing so well right now. And it really makes you wonder about really the downfall of the big man and how the Houston Rockets are succeeding with what they have. It's so interesting to watch. It's interesting. I'm, I'm curious about all the players in middle school right now that are you know, the size of traditional centers are, are going to grow into the size of traditional centers. I wonder what their coaches right now, what their parents right now, how they're making them practice, what skills they're making them develop. Because what if we get to a point, you know, 5, 10, 15 years down the line where teams just stop drafting players like that because mm. they just realize, like, I'm sorry, but based off your body size, you know how players like teams don't draft guys that are 5'5". Five, five. And, and things like that because they just look at him and say you know sorry yeah. based off your physical um limitations limitations <laughs> we we can't have you like you're not going to be good what if it swings the other way and you just look at guys you know i'm sorry like i get it you're you're seven two you're like i don't know 270 or whatever but it's like I, there's no we don't have space for you kind of thing but That'd be there, interesting. there is space in boxing and you can name yourself tyson fury and <laughs> but no it, you're right it is interesting to see like how this game is transforming right before our eyes. Yeah. I think Golden State sort of introduced this idea of this whole small ball thing. And but like why would you pick up a player like like Gortat, these gigantic behemoths? Why do you need that when you could just tire the person out? Houston Rockets, they just beat Utah 
You know who was guarding Russ? Gobert. Russ was making his tree trunk ass run the entire time and he couldn't keep up. And I think that's what's going to be happening with a bunch of these teams with these big centers. If you have a crazy bulldog like Russ running around or any other player with that size and that athleticism, not even to that degree, but just being smaller, it's going to be super difficult to keep up with him. Yeah. And I think that's going to be maybe where the where the where the NBA goes. I would not be surprised. And and good on the Houston Rockets. I doubted them. I was definitely one of the people who thought it wouldn't work. I thought especially with Clint Capella not being there. Harden is is a lot more limited than, you know, like not a lot more limited, but it limits a lot of his scoring opportunities and like some of the uh plays that he had run with those screens with Clint Capella and Ali Oops and all that. But they're making it work. So I mean I know we talk Clippers, Lakers, Clippers, Lakers, Clippers, Lakers, but the Houston Rockets are giving us a reason to at least bring them up in the conversation. Yeah, for sure. At least until Westbrook chokes in the playoffs. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'll I'll get I'll 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 give respect where it's due, and I even put on our uh, on our whiteboard Google Doc here. Is Russell Westbrook becoming underrated? Mm. You are probably the worst person in the world to ask this question to. <laughs> I'd rather ask Russell Westbrook if he thinks he's underrated than ask you this question. But you know he's not here, so you're all you're unstuck. But you know, from a uh, to a casual fan, maybe all of that Westbrook slander that he rightfully deserved for years, <laughs> maybe that's kind of like ruined rust for them, and they're not able to appreciate what's happening right now, what's happening in Houston. You've watched more Houston than I have this season, so. What would you say to the people that would, you know, clown Russ for not being a winning player in OKC? And what would you tell them? Like, how would you convince someone to give Russ another chance this season? There isn't another player in the entire league that has an engine like Russ. This man's competitiveness is is unmatched. He puts on 110%. Every single time he steps on that floor and on offense, on all, <laughs> I almost <laughs> agreed with you. I, I thought you were going to say something like I, I, I almost just went with you. But uh, there was nobody like Russ with that competitive edge that I've ever seen. Um, The way that he plays is just so it's just such a thrilling game to watch. And there are going to be times where he's the worst, Brooke. <laughs> but. More often than not, he's Bestbrook. And that those Bestbrook moments, Omar, he legitimately looks like the best player in the entire league. It's just, if he can get that three going, there's sometimes where he's hot from three. Right now, he's not taking any. But before when he had those games where he <laughs> go like 7 of 10, 40, you know, like 42 points on like 50-something percent shooting, he looks unfreaking stoppable because of how much effort he puts in every single time he steps on the floor. That is the only thing that I would say to somebody who, uh, who you know, like who needs to give Russ a second chance. You're not going to find a player with that competitive edge. Interesting, interesting. His competitiveness is what drew, uh, drew me towards him because I know, like Omar, I'll never forget Philadelphia 76ers, Oklahoma City Thunder, triple OT. He goes from um all the way from um what's it called from base to base, right? And he dunks it. He's going at full speed. His engine does, he doesn't stop. He doesn't quit. 
He dunks it to ice the game. One of the most satisfying moments because Russ dunked it and you like the 76ers. And you know, Russ just, he, he doesn't quit, you know? like you're gonna, he, I hate when you do that voice. What? Something is coming. What? No, I'm, coming. I'm agreeing. I think Russ, Russell Westbrook, you know, he just, he can't. Sometimes he just doesn't know when to quit, you know? He's <laughs> he's like 3 of 14 and he'll just keep pulling up, you know? Since January, the Brody has been going off. But you know what? I will I will say this much about Russell Westbrook. And I, and I saw this this post that I wanted to, to share with you. Russell Westbrook is shooting a higher field goal percentage from mid-range than pretty much any player that we can think of. Better than Anthony Davis, better than LeBron James, better than Paul George, Joel Embiid, Pascal Siakam, Jason Tatum, Jimmy Butler. From mid-range, his field goal percentage this season is higher than all of those players. And that's crazy to think about. He's always had that uh, mid-range. Uh, he would dribble, dribble, dribble in Oklahoma. He would dribble um, and then hit that mid-range. Like, it was it was a um, a weapon for him before. Are you sure it was dribble, 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 dribble and not <laughs> dribble, dribble, dribble? It was dribble, 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 dribble sometimes if he was feeling wild. Oh, okay, okay. But uh, that was literally an offensive weapon that he had. But in Oklahoma last year, he just didn't have it. Whether it was due to the surgery, whether it was due to injuries, and that's definitely what it was. He's always had it. So now people are just seeing what Russ had already had from before. The only difference is he isn't the guy in Houston. He never will be. It's going to be Harden's team. And that's why he doesn't get as much attention. But the way that they're coexisting, man, it's beautiful to watch. It's pretty freaking cool. And man, I'm happy for him. They're like best friends playing with one another, yeah. killing it. They're like, dancing together. They're doing GQ magazine. Could, could you together. imagine if you and I were well, like, I'd be Harden, of course. And I'd be glad to be Russ. Oh. Be crazy. <laughs> but like two best friends on the same team, both killing it at winning games now, you know, just in, in worst case, you know, they, they lose in the playoffs or whatever, like. They're both making a lot of money, living together, like being happy. Like, that's good. That's a good life. I feel like all these old heads are just NBA old heads are a different breed. They don't want friendship. They don't want happiness. They only want misery and anger. But (laughs) this is the generation of just happiness. Like you got Ben Simmons slapping Embiid on the pum. You got (laughs) you got uh, the Lakers locker room. They all love each other. Yeah. You got Russ and Harden. They love each other. D'Lo and Cat are now reunited. Boston Celtics without Kyrie Irving, they're doing a whole lot better. (laughs) <laughs> you know it's crazy it, it really is like this is just like the most like happy-go-lucky super friends um league that we that we that we're seeing right now okay you know what let me ask you this then what what's the most unhappy team in the league right now <laughs> what team like the team's just sitting there like man i hate y'all like Honestly, no one likes each other the team dynamics terrible what it team? has to be phoenix <laughs> Booker's probably just looking around like, man, please let me out. Aiden, why aren't you being a good player? We expected you to do good things. Why are you messing around with drugs, you stupid idiot? It has to be Phoenix. Yeah, I think Phoenix or maybe Sacramento or something. I'm just trying to think of the most miserable team. Like, no one talks to each other on the team. They bus. just go in. They're yeah. just sitting there like everyone's got their headphones in, cross arms. They're just sitting there. 
<laughs> no one's friends with one another. No, no one comes out to team dinners. Like I, I think it's definitely Phoenix, and I feel like someone like Aiden would probably try to start a conversation. Like, hey, hey, guys, like so. A book is like, shut the hell up, <laughs> just stop it. I don't want to talk to you. I don't want to talk to anybody. Why is it so hot in this bus? Let me out. <laughs> Oh man! I don't know, man. That's, that's, like, that's jokes to think about. You know what I mean? The most unhappy team. <laughs> no arms crossed, just like waiting, listening to the free version of Spotify, waiting to get out. They're sitting there at the dinner table, and someone's like, "Hey, can, can you pass the salt?" And no one passes it, so like the guy's got to get up and go get it himself. Like they make snarky comments, like, "Yeah, Booker, you would never pass it anyway." <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's jokes to think about. So yeah, it's uh, it, it's it's pretty hectic. I mean, in terms of other updates as well, though, around the league, Steph Curry, March 1st, what are your thoughts on bringing him back in the first place? Why bring him back at all, honestly speaking? Well, you know, they're the worst healthy, team in the league. They're literally the worst <laughs> team in the league. If he's healthy, let him play. That's my caveat. If a player's healthy, let him play. I get it, you know sitting people out to tank and things like that but you're already the worst team in the league let's just, just let him play um if if he's healthy the fans will like it you have a new arena where the tickets are crazy expensive and you you're trying to sell people on Andrew Wiggins but <laughs> like if i'm if i'm uh, uh, in in silicon valley do I really want to spend $300, $400 for a nosebleed ticket to watch Andrew Wiggins play? <laughs> Maple, no, he's not Maple Bomb. I keep forgetting it, but Maple Jordan. Okay, a, a player with the history of injuries, though, you're really going to play him? I don't see what they're doing. Just sit him out like uh, Clay Thompson. Why are you doing this? You know, play him because if this was LeBron James, he would get roasted. Mm. He would get LeBron James injured. No reason for the Lakers to play. He shut him down for the rest of the season, and he got absolutely torched by everyone. It's like, oh, you can't. How can you be so? And that's what I'm saying. Like Curry fans were torching LeBron for this. So play him if he's healthy. Play him. Why not? Now on the topic, mm, yeah, I guess so. But like, aren't you kind of against like a? Uh, the whole thing about about injuries and forcing people yeah, to play. Yeah, that, that. that's my caveat. If he's healthy, I mean, I'm pretty sure Steph Curry's injury was like a, a one one and a half month injury. This was not. It, yeah, it, it was they prolonged very it. Very prolonged. prolonged. It. So I'm fairly certain this guy's been at 100 percent for a very long time. So if you're healthy, play him. Obviously, of course, don't rush him back if he's not ready. Clay Thompson shouldn't come back this this year because I know how ACL injuries work, kind of thing, and he's not going to be ready. Kevin Durant should not come back this year. Uh, things like this. But Steph Curry's injury was not an ACL. It, it was not Achilles. Yeah, like, like you are not going to miss the entire season because of a fractured wrist or whatever it was. Like, come on. Okay. Yeah. So, so that's where I draw the line. I, I, for Exactly. I'm saying for Clay, you know, there's a lot of talk of him coming back. I'm saying, no, don't come back. You're not ready. You're not going to yeah. be ready, right? So uh, that that's the difference between these things. But, like, come on. Someone, like... Uh, let me let me let me think right now. Embiid's hand, right? He was not ready for him to come back um, when he dislocated his finger, right? He was not mm -hmm. ready when mm -hmm. he came back. But um, does that mean he should not play till the playoffs? No, he should definitely come back before the playoffs. So it's just it's, there's a there's a good balance in there somewhere. This the 76ers are just on one is one extreme, and it looks like the Golden State Warriors were trying to be on the other end of the extreme. What always kind of like. Uh kind of like i guess brings this this question or i'm just surprised that zion is even playing this season 
When yeah. he was initially injured, I didn't expect him to play at all. Well, I mean, that would be the other end of the spectrum. Kind exactly. Of yeah. So I guess a little bit of an update on that. How do you feel about Zion? Okay, my honest thoughts about Zion. You know, he's he's a coward. He's not keeping the defenses honest. It's been more than a month since he made a three-pointer. More than a month. And the defenses are just so dishonest. Everyone's lying to one another. Like, <laughs> you know what they say? Ben Simmons doesn't keep the defenses honest, you know? So Zion Williamson, it's been one month. Where's the three-pointer, man? Like, everyone's lying and gossiping. J- he just made one. No, when? Yeah, Today? Like, uh, I saw a, a Instagram highlight video. He crossed somebody over and then hit a three. Wait, because because there was a like a good month where he didn't make a three. Yeah, let me let me. I mean, up. regardless though, one month he the basically the fact that didn't. he didn't like, you know, again. A, that's what I'm saying. Like Jeff Van Gundy said it really well. They put up Zion's shot chart a few games ago, and you look at it and you see it's literally only in the paint. Hmm. And everyone was talking about uh, how well Zion's doing. And Jeff Van Gundy looked at that shot chart and said, "But that if that was Ben Simmons up there, we'd all be making fun of him for not taking threes." All I see when I see that shot chart is a player who's smart and knows what they're good at and is dominating in in what they do. So I think that he's the youngest player in NBA history to have seven consecutive 20-plus point games uh, since Carmelo Anthony in 04. So clearly Zion is playing like a first Yeah. Like a first pick. He's he's doing something right. He's, He's doing really well and... I'm going to continue to clown Zion because I love... I, this is just kind of my brand. <laughs> that's, your, that's your bit. That's, that's my bit. I, I love doing it, but I've always said that I thought he would have a short peak, and I would love to be proven wrong. There's When it comes to players' health and players' injuries, there's no. I never want a player to be hurt. I never want... like Even if it means I'm right, I don't want that, right? I would love to be proven wrong by every player that I doubt because that just means that... They're doing better. They're going to earn more money. They're going to like right. take care of their families. Like, that's good. Prove me wrong. Who am I? I'm a dude sitting here with a mic talking about people I don't know kind of thing, right? Yeah. So so please prove me wrong, Zion, and and have an amazing career. I just wish he wasn't a New Orleans fan. Yeah. I really... Any other team would be so cool, but the Pelicans... Yeah. Don't give us that AD treatment. Let him free. I don't want to see him there. But, okay, so this this raises an, uh, an interesting point. So the media has a responsibility because they this is going to be kind of big picture they help control narratives so if we were espn and we were saying things like come on zion no one cares about new orleans people who would rightfully be like to espn dude you can just cover the pelicans more and people would care about it more because it's kind of like you speak it into existence if if big media says no one cares about blank then no one ends up caring about blank because there's no attention on it or anything like that, right? Like the media, Alex Caruso, they give so much attention to Alex Caruso and things like that. And then, and that's through that, he ends up becoming a big deal, right? They they manufacture narratives and they manufacture stories. But like the thing with Alex Caruso is he looks like a computer science major. (laughs) So like, that's why it's something unique. I just, when, uh, with, with small market teams in general and marketability, with the Oklahoma City Thunder, you had Russ just being that polarizing figure. Nobody gives a shit about Utah because they don't have anything. They don't. Ha- you need to be something super special to put your small market team on the map. Okay, so the, the reason I brought this up was I saw Daryl Morey like to tweet on my timeline, and it was about a, a viral video that's been going around. Um, you may have seen it. 
Harden, did he travel or not? Oh, he, yeah, does a, he does a Euro step, right? Yeah. And it's so frustrating because clearly it's not a travel. The NBA rules make it not a travel. The referees make it not a travel. Anyone who understands the game knows that that was not a travel. But it's a narrative and it's a storyline because Sports Center, ESPN, Bleacher Report, House of Highlights, they keep putting that video up and asking the question, what do you think? Is this a travel? They know it's not a travel, but they're trying to generate interactions. They're trying to generate, you know, comments and likes and things like that. And what they end up doing is they push this narrative. They push this narrative that look at Harden, all he does is travel kind of thing. They keep ingraining that into people's minds and that makes people not appreciate what's happening out there for them. Yeah. If the media was pushing a narrative about Russ continuing to be a stat patter, ball hog and all those things, they would not be, people would not appreciate what the greatness that they're witnessing, right? And that's hap that happened. Yeah. And <laughs> that, that happened. that's happening for all of these things. The Ben Simmons not shooting thing. People are not appreciating the greatness. And I think the media has a responsibility. They can't just be this passive observer and say, I get it for the Caruso thing. That wasn't a great example because you're saying sometimes the essence is it equals what it does in that like Alex Caruso is a funny looking guy and him being doing these like random... Him doing like, a putback slam put back after slam a free throw break would, by AD. Would always be interesting regardless of whether the coverage was there exactly. or not. But for some things... There was no need for this Harden travel video. There was no need to put down how Harden's been playing and and how Ben Simmons plays and things like that. But the media has a responsibility with with this massive platform with all these followers. They have they can create stories out of nothing, and that's kind of what they're doing. And who loses in this? Like the fans, because they don't get to appreciate what's really happening out there. It's such a interesting. Um like topic that you're bringing up right now there are so many players that are underappreciated russ harden lillard even yeah lillard is so underappreciated his shot is money he shoots from the logo logo lillard but he's in portland and he's not that not that much of a unique personality so not a lot of attention goes to him besides the fact that he's yeah. a second round exit but why because of the team the player is great Mm-hmm. we're honestly watching so much talent that we're spoiled Yeah, is what it is. If you're in the NBA in 2020, it means you're not just elite. You're elite of the elite. Yeah. You're that good. You We have so many resources and training videos and so many things that you can watch now where players can get better. So if you made it this far, God bless you. You are amazing. But that being said, we are also so spoiled with this talent that we don't even know what we have until it's gone. And and that's why I think independent platforms like uh, like this podcast are important. Getting information about the game from stuff other than the mainstream media, I think is important because mainstream media will always continue to manufacture and push these like fake stories and and put down certain players and raise up other ones, maybe deservedly so or undeservedly so, but that'll always continue to happen. The hardened travel debate will continue for the rest of his career, but you should go to independent sources. You should do your own thinking and and really understand watch the games that's the best thing you can do just watch the games if you never watch the games you would hate Harden you would absolutely hate Harden based off of all of these videos and things like that 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 that, that you see in the discussion online just watch the games and I think like independent platforms like ours are important for that because you get a different perspective you get the perspective of two uninformed 
fans of the game and and we each have our own biases we each have our own understanding of the game our own favorite players but most importantly we have our unique perspectives yeah and that's what really brings it together and and maybe that's what it all what what, what it's all about you know we're not right all the time in fact we're probably wrong more times <laughs> i can't think of a single time we were right if anything but that's kind of what we want mm-hmm. you to you to be inspired by you know come up with your own perspective watch the game come up with your own disagree with us let us know that you're disagreeing by coming over to our instagram at the session ball or leave us a review and tell us how bad our opinions are at apple Podcasts. it only takes a few seconds but Come up with your own thoughts, your own perspectives, and don't let yourself be swayed by the the herd mentality of mainstream media. Watching games is what makes it fun in the first place, right? Like, that's 100%. how you learn the most. I've had so much fun watching this team that kind of flew under the radar. Nobody gave a shit about OKC, but it's almost a disservice you're doing to yourself if you're not. It's a very, very fun team to watch, and I'm sure it's the same thing with other teams that you, that you enjoy watching as well. Um... I guess with that being said, we could probably wrap this one up. For sure, yeah. And like Ben said, you know, not watching the games is doing a disservice to yourself and not liking and uh, subscribing and reviewing this podcast the is, biggest disservice. is doing the biggest disservice to society as a whole because then less people are going to find out about it. So, you know, if you made it this far and you like this episode, make sure you subscribe on whatever platform you're listening to and make sure if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, you go tap five stars and leave a review for us. That really helps us out, lets us soar in the charts so we can grow this community that we have here. Absolutely. Just, uh, I guess, echoing what Omar said, remember to follow um, on Instagram at The Session Ball. Uh, post daily content, memes, just a bunch of content for you guys to check out and, listen, uh, and look forward to. Um, and yeah, just keep keep reviewing keep those comments coming we do want to create a community we do want to be able to respond and have a back and forth the beauty of conversation is disagreement we don't always need to be in agreement all the time i think that's what keeps our dynamic going all the time so let's continue that with more people and that's what we want to do exactly and and one final thing as we sign off here Let's. We have a, a bit of a surprise for you. Uh, a one thousand download special. Let's call it ah. that. Yeah, one thousand. You and I have talked about this a bit we off have. off off the mic. So you know we're almost there. I think we're at nine hundred and thirty or something like that, which is unbelievable to think about. It's crazy. That, it's that, a milestone, brother. Yeah, this is our sixteenth episode that that we that we're doing. So you know, once we get to a thousand downloads, we may we may have a little something for everybody listening. So you know, keep supporting the pod, and uh, we really appreciate it. We'll see you next week. Cheers.